that's a home for you yeah home is where you can walk around in pajamas without feeling unsafe or judged or viewed or vilified home is mostly felt when shared with people you love and people you trust and you feel supported by because that's what makes you feel safe and when you safe among people among a place and then you're home for sure there's a feeling of safety that i think it's it needs to be the foundation what makes a home i mean it is definitely about people of course i guess for me a home it's a place where i can feel um feel safe to be myself at my best and at my worst to me home is a synonym to community welcome home i am morgan oleron and you're listening to season 3 of the humans inside the pods a podcast exploring the power of community one conversation at a time On here we talk about challenges and growth with the people who choose to live with others and share the place they call home. If you're interested in the topic, you might like my book. It's called Have Your Cake and Share It Too, and it's a personal story about the world I grew up in, a world I stepped into, and a world I dream of, or the impact community living had on me. But back to the episode. We had a great time recording it. We sure hope you enjoy it. If you do, Never hesitate to let us know through a review, a share, or a message. It takes a second, but it means a lot. Hi, Anton. Hello. How are you doing? I'm doing very well. Thank you for doing this. Oh, my pleasure. I'll start the way I start with everyone. Can you introduce yourself the way you want to? Cool. Well, my name is Anton, and I am half Ukrainian, half Russian, born in Moscow. Uh, but raised since three years old in the United Kingdom. And um, London is very much my home city and uh, the place that I grew up. I uh, studied architecture for my sins, uh, but didn't go down the normal professional road. Instead, I set up my own consulting business and have been working in real estate, tech, uh, and consulting and sustainability for the last 10-15 years. All right. So you very much uh, introduce yourself uh through your work. Yes. Yes. And and through my heritage. Right. Through where I was born. Uh and um I think that history is important in shaping our identity and our vision for the world. Nice. Um all right. So this podcast is about community and living in community. So of course I'm going to ask you what got you into what's your experience with co-living the purpose statement the uh, the reason for being the reason why we're here is we grow together we're not just here to live um we're here to really work on ourselves and this personal development this kind of consciousness development uh this conscious co-living ethos was something that was very important from day one and i think just communicating that in our language but also to residents that Uh, and having this uh, leadership development program that was part of the research project i thought brought a level of depth um and also made it very made the the social experiment itself of living together in, in a more connected way a hot topic and something that many of us would discuss on a regular basis and be interested to participate uh, most people that live in 
buildings with uh, housing associations and committee meetings completely disengaged, right? It's, uh, it's not an interesting thing, right? You talk about cleaners and noise and no one wants to be there. But here, everyone really wanted to participate in the dialogue around how we live and how we organize, how we spend uh, the house budget and what type of culture can we prototype, what type of governance. And there was always the intention to transition from a centralized uh, management uh, into a really co-created and self-run house. And I think that intention was very strong and is what led to the success of K&I, I think, long term. Uh, so that was kind of more the role that I played, as well as also a bit on interior design. But I think that the experience of living there was very healing. I'd almost died earlier in the year. I was in a quite a low place. And uh, this gave me a home and it gave me a chance to save a little bit of money. Um, but most importantly, it gave me a chance to live slowly and uh, and have these kind of nice wellness moments throughout the week where I could meditate in the Zen room or I, I could do a dance in the living room or watch a movie and co-work from the space. And it uh, gave me the um, the space to recover from what was a very, very difficult start to the year. Mm-hmm. What was the experience as being part of the team, but also being part of the community? Because I've talked to a few people who are the, okay, you're not the founder, but who are the founders of their community and they also live there. And it's it's a little bit difficult wearing those two hats in, in relationship with, yeah, the relationship that you have with the other residents. Hmm. How did you experience that yourself? Yeah, I mean, I think that I was a little bit less engaged with the community as a result and more engaged with the the team and the founders and um, uh, I kind of was a little bit selective. Uh, I didn't kind of try and connect with everybody just because it's too overwhelming. There's too many people. I just kind of picked one, uh, kind of two or three or four relationships and then uh, put more effort in to those relationships. But also I was planning to go back to London. So there wasn't this feeling of like, right, these are going to be my lifelong friends. Mm-hmm. Uh, although some some relationships have really defined my life in a beautiful way. Uh, I think that um, definitely if I could go again, I would have put a lot more effort into just being there with everybody and really uh, playing an active role as a um, as a friend and as somebody that was curious about everybody in the house and wanting to understand their stories and, and uh, what drew them to this place. Uh, I also think that the, one of the most connecting and powerful things that happened in the house well, not just the parties and the uh, and the leadership uh, program that we had and the rituals that we ran and the workshops we ran, but also the trips out into nature and into the archipelago. I think that that's where, you know, sitting around a fire, cooking together, being in a different space um, out in nature really deepens relationships and makes people feel much, much closer, much more like family. And I think some of us went to festivals together. Some of us uh, went did these little retreats. There was also a wedding, and I think that in time, those experiences are just as valuable as as what happens in the house as well. Mm-hmm. And um, and then, yeah, uh, I keep saying it's so, so, so important to get the launch of your house right and to um, really do those early workshops in a fun, engaging way and follow up on that. And the, and the value of the house budget, especially in the earlier months, is critical to really get people uh, participating in collective decision-making. And actually that can be a really transformational process for a lot of people 
um, and, and very different way of living uh, when you really have skin in the game and uh, you can be uh, feel that you're part of something bigger. And so how long did you stay in the end? I think I stayed a year and a half um, and then I moved to another apartment with uh, other housemates who we started a business with. And, um, but we were very close, so we were still part of the community. Mm. Uh, and then I moved back to London, and I am less less engaged now. But uh, I loved the way that the living room was um, a multifunctional, multidimensional space that we co-created together. And that has inspired um, a new business venture of mine in London called House of Transformation. Do you want to tell us about that? Yes. it's uh, We decided to kind of go against... Um, conventional wisdom and launch an event space in the middle of the pandemic. And um, that we ended up being a fantastic decision. Uh, of course, it was a bit slow in the first year, but we had a rent-free period. But what was fantastic is that once the lockdowns were over, many, many people started to host events and book space, both for uh, for work reasons, but also for social reasons. And we've uh, run now House of Transformation for two and a half years. And actually that uh, space, nature-inspired space, um, has then unlocked other opportunities uh, to rent nature locations where we can host retreats, uh, weddings, community gatherings, company retreats, and much, much more. And yeah, so I'm gonna, definitely going to go in that uh, in more depth uh, later. I just want to, when you left K9, and, uh, or even that flat that you shared when you left Sweden, basically, did you have with you that feeling of, okay, now I want to look for something similar to live in, or now it's time for me to be by myself? Like, what was your, your feeling? Personally, I don't, I think for me, the most valuable part of um, K9 was not so much the co-living aspect. It was the shared space aspect is that we had that shared living room, that shared Zen room, and that we could, share activities together and uh, and also share adventures together it was in actively knowing your neighbors and in having space in which to bring ideas and experiences to life that was the value for me so i don't mind if we're sharing a kitchen or we have our own apartment or whatever it is as long as there is a community of people with whom we share values and we and life and um and then can activate spaces like House of Transformation, like Selgars, um, where we can bring uh, bring people together in beautiful ways. And I think for me, it's it's all about that, those communal spaces, uh, rather than the co-living specifically. Mm. So um, there's always the vision to not just open a space in the city, but also to have a space in nature, whether it be a farm or a countryside estate, um, where we could host uh, groups and uh, where they could uh, like we could have some accommodation but also we could have large event spaces indoors and outdoors uh, for hosting nature conferences community gatherings um, weddings team retreats uh, vacation holidays and um, the story of Salgas Mill is is quite wonderful because it's all happened so quickly but actually getting here has taken many 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 years so um during the pandemic, as well as setting up House of Transformation, I also launched and co-founded a network called Rebuild. Um, and Rebuild is all about exploring land-based projects 
um, where we can explore what it means to uh, live regeneratively and how we can be in harmony with the planet. And so we brought together people that were from the crypto decentralized everything kind of movement, people that were interested in permaculture, agroforestry, and different forms of sustainable farming uh, and land use. And then also people passionate about co-living and co-housing and eco-materials and circular economy. And so this is a nice eclectic mix of of, of trending topics. And uh, everybody came together online. We had 100 uh, online sessions that were recorded and shared. And uh, over 700 people joined the event. And that was all online during the pandemic. And then we uh, have since held four in-person gatherings in Costa Rica, uh, two in Portugal, one in Netherlands. And the plan was to bring uh, a rebuild style event back to the UK in my home country. And um, we didn't want to just call that rebuild. I wanted to bring an art and theater and storytelling a layer to it. And so after running the Netherlands event on the train, and a name came to me and it was called, called Enchanted. And how can we enchant the people that uh, come to our events uh, and step into a new reality of a hopeful future uh, where we are living in harmony with nature, where we are living regeneratively. And so, um, yeah, we I created a logo and a kind of concept for it. We, we gathered uh friends that were also interested in being part of running this event and eventually we found a venue and this was about uh, six months ago and uh, we signed up as a campus partner and this venue was in devon it was called selgas mill and uh, everything was kind of set up to do a number of events including a big summer a gathering um in july in 2023 and literally three weeks ago i got a call from the organization that was operating the mill to say they were shutting down. And that was obviously very sad news, uh, but we didn't want to just cancel our event and shut everything down. We wanted to keep the venue going because it's beautiful and has so much potential. So we got in touch with the owner. I put together a business plan in the space of a week and a sales website to show how we would be managing and running and promoting the, the venue. And uh, the owner agreed uh, for a lease and an option to buy the property. And it's an eight acre estate with a converted beautiful 19th century mill house, four stories, and then uh, cottages, and then a large events barn, as well as beautiful um, land with woodland and uh, streams uh, running. Uh, And um, it's a beautiful place, already very enchanting. Uh, But what's amazing is we're not just doing an event there. We have the opportunity to make this into a real village and community place. Can I interrupt you here? Because what takes you from wanting to organize an event, which is a maybe four or five day thing, to thinking, okay, the place is going down. In order to do our event, we're going to take over the whole place. Like there's a there was a will before that, oh, right? Yeah. To... The, the whole purpose of the event was to eventually lead to owning a place and uh, being able to build it over time. And eventually it can be then this uh, incredible regenerative village um, where we can live both in the city and in the countryside. And um, I've also done a lot of consulting and research into uh, nature venues and um, diversification strategies for landowners in the countryside and um, and how to run an effective venue in nature as well as in the city. And so I knew the market, I knew the, the process, 
for running a venue. So when the opportunity came, it was a no-brainer to to make the the offer. And it's really a dream come true. And um, what's really important with these venues is to have uh, a really resilient, diversified revenue stream where you can generate income uh, at every point in the year in different ways. Because obviously people don't want to get married in the middle of January, right, on a Monday. And um, and equally, half term is very different from term time. And uh, the seasonality really affects people's desire to use that space or book that space. And so, um, and co-living is a wonderful combination because during the uh, the months of January and February and maybe sometimes a bit of March, um, there isn't really a demand for doing big events um, and, you know, the weather isn't so great, but actually it's perfect for slow co-living and uh, being in nature and in community together, uh, sitting around the warm fire, working on a passion project, uh, but also having this slow intentional start to the year where we can really learn from each other and, and set our intentions and goals together. All right. So that's that's the vision for this place. Yeah, I mean, the, the, the vision is really to create a hub in nature or a place in nature for the regenerators and rebuilders of the world uh, to come to to heal, to celebrate, um, to connect with each other and, and cultivate this uh, energy for change. Uh, and one of the things that happens when you can go to a magical place in nature is you get a you connect more with your humanity. You start to feel uh, a greater sense of hope for the future. And um, and I think having more events uh, in nature can really transform the way that we work, both individually and collectively. And uh, I think that if we can create a place that really enables teams and groups and communities to go deeper, to connect, and then to get inspired, to uh, to create things and build things in a different way, more regenerative way, then that's a very important thing. And uh, what, what, off, there are a lot of venues, but often they are quite expensive and unaffordable. And and often they are run in a kind of traditional hospitality mindset of, of you know, lots of waiters and waitresses and a very five-star kind of a luxury approach which makes it very unaccessible to a lot of people. And we want to make this venue uh, fun, playful, um, and uh, affordable to as many people as possible. And so um, the way we want to run it is really as a, as a canvas. And we want to encourage co-created participatory events where we don't try and overstimulate people, but really let the venue do the work. You know, there's so much incredible nature. There's so much beauty around and just allowing people to be together in nature um, with good food and good facilitation is enough. And actually that can create a massive a ripple effects in the world. Beautiful. And is that something that you can see growing? Like, would you be interested? Is your vision to have more of these places or are you just happy with that one? And yeah, I think what I've learned is it's really, really important to do the work. You know, it's so easy to get caught up with these kind of big, you know, uh, network effects or oh, we can be you know 100 houses in 10 years um, but it's really really important to get into the detail uh, and really learn how to run these venues cost effectively uh, and and really uh, make them high impact and accessible and affordable for as many people as possible so just like with how to house of transformation we have a small space but we've really managed to optimize our sales, our management, so that we can make a good profit, but we can also uh, make the place affordable for those um, that can't afford us or that can't afford similar spaces. 
in a similar way we really want to knuckle down and in the next you know three four years really uh, make Salgars as successful and as popular as possible uh, and then the, the best way to then approach scaling is not to try and do everything yourself then it just gets overwhelming but instead to have a kind of a franchise model uh, maybe open source the knowledge and uh, empower and coach people to do their own projects and we're also uh, interested in building these networks of, of of venues that run in this entrepreneurial uh, regenerative ethos um, to bring together the operators of those venues as well as the funders of those venues to see how we can work together to uh, enable more people to launch these projects because we don't need just one Salgars, we need thousands across the uk as well as across europe and the world um, because we need to make being spending time in nature uh, whether it be for vacation or for work um, uh, or, or business we need to make it uh, part of our everyday lives especially as we live in spending more time on our screens more time in busy cities uh, we need to have that balance uh, and that accessibility to nature that ability to go and be in community be with the land um, and uh, and have a much more kind of balanced and um, healthy lifestyle. So true. When is Selgard launching? What is coming up? Well, our lease starts on the 1st of January and we have uh, a lease agreement for the whole of 2023 and then an option to buy in 2024. And the owner is very positive about our mission and vision and what we're trying to do. And um, what we're planning is a New Year's Eve celebration followed by two months of co-living. Uh, slow co-living um, across uh, where we have space for about 20 people to live with us and uh, also work on really fun projects on the land, whether it be kind of building a stage for for the summer uh, events and celebrations, uh, helping with the barn renovation, um, tending to the garden, um, but also simple things like just cooking together, uh, making fires together. Uh, going on cycle trips and hikes because Devon is a beautiful countryside with lots to see. Um, and then also just um, being able to just cozy up um, and uh, and think about really going to maybe some furniture, antique sales, um, little trips to kind of find little items and furniture that can make the place even cozier and even more beautiful. Uh, so this really is a chance not just to co-live with us but also to be part of shaping this place with us um, and shaping the vision and the strategy um, and so yeah we if you really believe in this type of project and want to be involved then uh, please come and stay with us for, for two weeks or a month or two months in the early part of the year it's going to be a very beautiful time that's exciting and what else uh, should we put in our calendar yeah so on the 6th to 9th of july um, and we might actually uh, move it a bit a week later, but we still need to discuss that as a, as a team. We are hosting the Enchanted Village Gathering. And Enchanted really is an event we've been planning for a very long time. Uh, and we're trying to bring together uh, a community of people who are curious to explore what it means to be regenerative, both in life and work. And we have a really, really wonderfully thought through program that includes talks, workshops, uh, building a, a fire, 
opening ceremonies, closing ceremonies, uh, dance, theater performance, um, storytelling, um, and time in nature together with great wholesome uh, vegetarian food. And uh, the idea of this event is really to uh, ignite our imaginations um, and to make us hopeful about the future and to seed uh, collaboration um, for many, many entrepreneurial and social projects and environmental projects that we can do together that are connected to Selgars and, uh, and the village we want to build there, but also more broadly, how can we build a, a wider network and really promote circular economy and regenerative values uh, in business um, and and the public sector as well. So uh, this hopefully will be a really beautiful, playful event um, that will really create this feeling of connection and tribe uh, and enchantment. And we hope you can make it. Uh, so go to enchanted.org.uk to check it out. Nice. I'll put all that in the description of the episode as well. And so and the whole vision for the space is so that you have two months of co-living and then the rest of the time will be like retreats for companies and weddings. and Yes, so we're going to have three core customer groups, you could say. So there's um, midweek uh, during term time, which is where we want to offer up to companies kind of Monday to sometimes Friday uh, where companies can come. Uh, and uh, run their team retreats, um, run their off strategic offsites for their leadership teams, but also where individuals from the company or can also escape uh, out into nature and have a little vacation and co-work and co-live from a different place. And if you let your team work remotely or, or hybrid, why not, if, if they're working from their local co-working space, why can't they also work from a beautiful place in nature like Sargas. And we want to encourage uh, um, companies, especially in the tech industry, um, to consider the importance of having access to nature for their team. Um, and then we can also give them uh, discounted access to well-being programs and uh, that our partner practitioners are hosting and really help companies um, build really strong team culture all year round um, by offering more than just a team retreat, but also uh, access to wellness programs uh, that are hosted here, um, as well as vacations. So uh, we look forward to connecting, with, especially with tech companies in Bristol. Um, it's literally you can get from Bristol city center to our venue in 45 minutes. So um, that's one customer segment, the company's midweek and businesses and organizations. Uh, we, it's also two hours from London, so London is also uh, very accessible. And then the next customer segment is um, wellness. Um, so doing, um, whether it's yoga, juice cleanse, um, ecstatic dance, uh, whatever it might be, uh, what we want to do is allow for weekends for community gatherings, for wellness retreats, um, it could be just a Saturday and Sunday. It could be Friday to Sunday or Thursday to Sunday. We really want to encourage um, the wellness practitioners to come forward and we can give a very, very good good price uh, as we're a self-catered venue. And we don't have too, we don't employ too many, uh, too much staff. So we can keep our overheads low and offer a very, very affordable price, mm -hmm. especially in the warmer months when we can have glamping and camping 
we can host groups of up to 150 people. Um, and often it's very difficult to find affordable venues that can cater to those types of groups. Uh, so that's the second segment. And then finally, there's holidays and weddings. You know, uh, we, one of the things we want to do is, is is encourage the people that rent our space for retreats uh, and for company uh, events and business events and nature conferences um, to also think of our place as a great way to escape and have a more sustainable holiday without needing to go jump on a flight. Um, you can just either drive, drive or take your bike and, uh, and, uh, and come to Salgars. Uh, and we want families co-living together during the the half term and summer holidays. And we also want to do weekend weddings that feel like festivals and um, and community gatherings uh, where everyone can feel relaxed and enchanted by the landscape and have a wonderful time together. Uh, and uh, I think that's the, the beauty is that we can have all of these different types of uses uh, from the same venue at different times of the year. And uh, hopefully what we can also do through Enchanted is showcase what a unique and uh, beautiful venue Sargas can be for nature conferences and uh, deep dive networking events um, that are organized by companies or by um, um, conference uh, organizers. This can be a very powerful way to kind of move away from the corporate hotel or the uh, Excel center um, conference hall, uh, which is quite transactional and, uh, and, and very kind of stressful and you, walk away from those events feeling drained and exhausted. Uh, what if you could organize different types of networking events and conferences that, where people come away feeling uh, awakened and inspired and really connected and, uh, and alive? And that's what I think um, our venue can bring. Lovely. Um, is there anything that you want to add that I should have asked? No, I think that's all good. Great. Then I'll ask my last question which you must know, which is what makes a home for you? For me personally, what makes a home is the ability to design it, to create it, to shape it. If you, if a home is designed for you, it's not a home. If it's a home, if it's a space that you get to design yourself, you get to shape yourself, that you get to make your own, then it becomes a home. And I've had the privilege of doing that in our apartment in London, in House of Transformation, and, and now at Salgas. And, um, and seeing your design, your paintings, your energy and uh, values embodied in a space is what makes it uh, even more beautiful and even more meaningful to be in. It makes me want to ask another one last question is, how do, you, how do you make that feeling shared then? How do you co-create a home? Well, you do that process with more than one person. You do it together, and um, uh, everyone can leave little traces and marks on the uh, in, in the space. Um, and also, of course, uh, through the events and uh, and experiences, parties, um, and deep moments that you share in those spaces. And so, all of that is open for co-creation, and it becomes much much richer when that happens. Thank you so much, Anton. This Thank was you. lovely. It was great. Thank you so much for making it to the end. You'll find more information about my guest in the description of the episode. If you want to share your own experience or know someone who should, do reach out. I'm always looking for new stories.